Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. It's good to have fun in church, isn't it? So good. How God is a God of joy. And uh, I think if ever, you know, on a day like this when we're celebrating uh, fathers and we're celebrating men, it's a good thing just to chill out and have a little bit of fun and just to, uh, just to enjoy one another, enjoy God's goodness and God's presence. He's good. He's a wonderful, wonderful Father. And I love the fact what Pastor Craig has already shared that, you know, that Father's Day, you know, it's, it's good to reflect on our fathers, our natural fathers, but it's even better to reflect on a heavenly Father. And, uh, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit intimidating because when we look at God's love, when we look at our heavenly Father and the qualities that He has, sometimes, you know, we just realise, boy, we fall so short. But the good thing about our heavenly Father is that He doesn't hold that love to Himself. He doesn't just say, you know, behold, look at me, I'm perfect. He says, hey, I've got all of this love for you. I want to give it to you. I want to share that love with you to empower you. And uh, that's the most wonderful thing about when we celebrate Father's Day, that we can look up to God, not be intimidated, but actually be encouraged. Can we put our hands together for the worship team? Do a fantastic job every single time we gather. They do an amazing, amazing job. You know, there's so many different aspects to being a father. But I think one of the aspects that I enjoy and that I, I, I love to do is actually create a little bit of mystique a little bit of mystery in, in the lives of children, particularly when they're young and now with my grandchildren. And one of the ways I love to do that, whenever we're on holidays down in uh, the Gippsland Lakes area, uh, my family will tell you I've created a little ritual of going uh, sea crystal hunting. And uh, if you're not familiar what, with what a sea crystal is, um, you find them on the seashore, uh, hidden amongst all the little shells and all the little rocks and things. And to some people, they're just bits of, of broken glass. But if you understand the mystery of a sea crystal, you'll understand that, yes, there are some that are just broken bits of glass, but there are others that have been in the sea a lot longer and, and they've been started to get smooth and all the rough edges and the sharp edges are taken off. And, but then there are others that have go beyond glass and beyond just, you know, glass that's been in the sea and that suddenly become sea crystals. And those are the bits of glass that have been in the sea for so long that they're not recognisable as glass anymore. All the edges, the sharp edges have been taken off and all that clear, it's gone. It's just a beautiful rounded weather. It's a sea crystal. And whenever we would go hunting, looking for sea crystals, there were always two elements to the hunt. One was the first one was the, the aspect of celebration. And that was where you'd hear the cry, if it's my grandchildren, party! I found one, I found one. Or if they were with my children, Dad, Dad, I've got one. Or now if they're older, woohoo! <laughs> Look what I've found. Look, I've got one, I've got one. And then first the celebration of discovery. But then there would be the, the inspection and the reflection a little bit more. And they'd bring it to me and say, Is this one, Paddy? Is this one? Is this one? And I'd have to look at it very carefully and say, Oh, that's a good one. Oh, it's a good one, but I'm afraid it's not a sea crystal yet. Not yet. Or other times we'd look, we'd say, oh, that's the most wonderful sea crystal. And if we found a sea crystal, it'd always be tucked away in a pocket and brought home. We've got a little jar full of sea crystal. You know, I think Father's Day is a little bit like that. I think Father's Day is a little bit like we sort of, we, we take time and those two elements are there. We, we, we choose to celebrate. 
We choose to celebrate. Sometimes we just are moving so fast and life happens. And if we're not careful, we forget the joy and we forget the, 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 the value of just stopping and celebrating fathers, celebrating the men around about us. But then there's also that time where we actually not just celebrate, but we, we honour. I love what Scripture says that we should honour our father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's a powerful scripture and it's a powerful principle, honour. And that word honour actually means to give weight to, which means to, to weigh up, to weigh up all the, all the positives, to weigh up all the negatives, to weigh up the good, the bad, the ugly. But at the end of the day, to be able to in some way honour and to celebrate our fathers. And today, you know, we should do that. It's important to do that as much as we can in the natural. But as I've said already, it's also an opportunity to be able to celebrate our Heavenly Father. And, you know, for all of us, when we understand the love of our Heavenly Father, can I say to, to every dad that's in this room, it should give us hope. It sets an example for us to follow, yes, but it's also that great encouragement that every aspect of love that God carries, He can give it to our lives to equip us, to empower us, not to try harder, but to simply allow that love to be our strength and so that we can be a channel of that love to those around about us. But to all of us, no matter who we are this morning, to all of us, when we understand the fullness of God's love, that He loves us so much, that He cares for us so much, that He provides for us so much, it changes everything about the way we live. It changes the way we feel about ourselves. To know that we're loved by God changes everything. But it changes the way that we look at others as well. To know that God loves that other person, no matter who they are, no matter where they've come from, no matter what's gone on in their life, that every single human is loved by God. Whether they're on the top of the mountain or in the valley, everyone is loved by God. Who are we to withhold love if God says, no, 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 everyone is loved. I love every one of them. But it also empowers us. Knowing that we're loved by God, the Creator, of the universe who sets us up to win, that empowers us to live bold lives. That empowers us to live the kind of life that says, who am I to hold all that to myself? Who am I to live in fear? Who am I to live with inferiority? If my God is for us, if my God is for me, I'm gonna live a bold life, a brave life, a life full of faith. So this morning, let's examine, let's look at, this incredible love of God as our Heavenly Father. Before we go to a passage where I'm going to read this morning of, of the prodigal son, many of you know the story, the prodigal son. But before we go there, I want us to look at 1 John 3, verse 1. I love these verses because it, it encourages us to, to go on that sea crystal hunt of God's love. It encourages us just to stop and contemplate. This is what it says, 1 John 3, verse 1, in a few translations. In the NIV, it says this, see. Everyone say, see. see. Well, that was about 20%. Everyone say, see. see. Ah, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. 
And that is what we are. Exclamation mark. <laughs> Exclamation mark. In the message translation, it says this, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God. That's who we really are. J.B. Phillips' translation says this, Consider the incredible love that the Father has shown us in allowing us to be called children of God. And that is not just what we are called, but it's what we are. But here's the one I love, King James Version. Behold! <laughs> what a great old-fashioned word. Behold! That's what we should do on our sea crystal hunt. Ah, Father, behold! Behold, which means stop, look at this, be amazed, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Father, I pray this morning, God, in the time that we have, as we look at your word and consider a story that holds so much truth and so much power, that God, it would not just be a story on the pages of the Bible, but God, it would bring revelation to every one of our hearts. Pray, Father, as you've already manifested yourself in this place this morning, God, I pray that you would manifest yourself and your love in every heart. In Jesus' name, as we would behold, as we would wonder, as we would seek and as we would look at your great love, let it transform us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the, the prodigal son is probably one of the most famous stories coming out of the Bible that is known through generations and known in so many different settings. And you would know the background to it. Jesus is telling a story. Luke chapter 15. He, he's telling this story to, to explain how great God's love is. How far beyond man's love it is. How, 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 how much contrast there is between a religious concept of God and the real concept of God. And if you know chapter 15, he starts talking about the fact that, you know, our God is the God who goes after that one lost sheep. He's excited about the 99, but he goes after that one lost sheep. And when that one lost sheep comes back, he celebrates. He says, all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes back to God, when one lost person comes back. And then he tells the story of, hey, it's like when somebody loses a silver coin, they may still have nine, but if they've lost one, they search the whole house. And his whole point is talking about the fact God is always leaning out. He's always wanting to reach out to the one that doesn't know him yet, to the one that is lost, to the one that he loves and wants to see come back and be restored. And he finally tells this story of the prodigal son. And if you know the story, it says the father has two sons. The young son is a little bit restless, a little bit bored. He comes to his dad and says, look, I want my inheritance now. Which if you think about it, it's pretty weird. It's saying, I don't want to wait till you're dead, dad. I can't hang around that long. I want my money now. And the Bible says that in the story, Jesus says the father gave it to him. And of course, he went out and blew the lot. He walked out of his father's house, went to a foreign land, and he lost all that he'd been given, squandered it on wild living. The Bible says two things happened. Number one, all his friends deserted him. Isn't it funny if the money runs out, the friends walk out? <laughs> 
But the second thing was happened that he found himself in what the Bible says was want. And for the first time, he has to go and look for a job. The only job that he could get was looking after pigs, which if you know the context of the story was a, a terrible thing because pigs in that culture were the lowest of the low. And here he was work, working for the man, looking after pigs for a small, small wage, virtually nothing at all. And then the Bible says he came to the lowest point when he looked at what the pigs were being fed and he thought, man, that looks good. He looks at the slop that was being thrown out to the pigs and he realises that's more than what I'm getting in my life now. And the Bible says that's when he came to his senses. So let's read from verse 17 of Luke chapter 15. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You know, when we stop and consider the love of God, behold, what manner of love. I think it's a mysterious kind of love. I think it's a kind of love that in so many ways is inexplicable. In so many ways, it's, 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 it defies logic. It goes beyond what we can really understand with our own natural minds. It is so great. There's a, a mystery element to it. I can remember on my wedding day, I'd heard all kinds of gushy stories about what happens to grooms and brides and all that kind of thing. And I used to think, oh, it's just emotional slop. Won't happen to me. <laughs> but I can remember standing there and turning around that moment when the music started playing and... And then you turn around and here comes the bride. Man, oh man. I'm telling you, I, I, I don't really know what happened. All I know is it happened to me and it was like my heart just leapt. It was like, whoa, like everything just shifted. When I first saw my bride walking down the aisle, it was, it was something my head couldn't really understand, but it was so real. It was so powerful. It was a, a mysterious thing. And the same thing happened when our children, when each one of our children were born. And I'd heard the stories about, oh, it'll change your life. I'd been a nurse, I'd seen babies born and all that kind of stuff. I'd been there, done that. But when my babies were born, oh my goodness, something shifted. I can't explain it with my mind, but every dad, every mum in this place, you would know what it was at that moment when suddenly, oh my goodness. And I can remember for Sally and I, it was you know, as soon as we knew that Sally was pregnant, each time we'd start to pray. We'd lay our hands upon her tummy and we'd pray for that baby and she'd play worship music and we'd make sure right from conception that, that we prayed for that baby. It was always a bit of a mystery. And then when the baby was born, it was always a wonderful thing where we'd look at this baby and we'd say, ah, that's who you are. 
You've been hidden for nine months. That's who, look at you. You're beautiful. You're the one we've been praying for. You're the one. And there's always an element of, of mystery and surprise. But the incredible thing about God's love is that actually He's never surprised when we were born because He's actually created us. He was actually thinking about us way before we were even conceived. This is how the Bible says, Matthew, uh, Psalm 139. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. Can I say to you, not one of us here today are an accident. We may have come. We may have arrived on planet Earth through all kinds of different circumstances in this imperfect world. <laughs> there may be natural circumstances that seem to stretch our mind and confuse us sometimes, but reality is not one of us are accidents. God has given each and every one of us the breath of life. We are God's children before we are ever our natural mum and dad's children. We come from God and He's obsessed with us. He thinks about us all the time. And I'm not making it up. This is Scripture. He thinks about you all the time. He wanted you on planet Earth. Of all the people on the Earth, He said, no, 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 there's still one missing, you. You say, what's the big deal about that? When we understand that we are first and, for, for, first and foremost God's children, God's idea, the focus of His love, it settles the whole issue of self-worth. We never have to struggle with the concept of are we worthwhile? Are we worth loving? Are we a success or are we a failure? When we understand God's love, we don't struggle with those issues. We have a place to go. We don't have to think, well, you know, if I work hard enough, then I'll be worthy enough. If I look good enough, then I'll be worth something. If I'm funny enough, if I'm smart enough, if I'm sexy enough, if I'm rich enough, if I've got enough followers on Instagram, if I've got this, if I've done that, if I've got, then I'll be worthy. No, no, no. It's a fruitless search. And yet the world, is the world is pursuing all of these false values when actually God says, hey, before you do anything, you are worthy. Before you do anything, you are loved. And I'm obsessed with you, says God. He doesn't love us based on what we do, whether we're a success or a failure whether we've got more gifts or talents than the one next to us, He just simply loves us because we are His. The love of a father for His children. Many of you would know the name Ben Cousins, famous football player many years ago. He's famous because of his skills on the field, but he's also famous because he was the victim of his own drug addiction. 
He lost his football career. He lost his family. And it was front page news for on and off for a number of years. But what struck me most about that whole saga of Ben Cousins and his life unraveling through his drug addiction was the loyalty of his father and the loyalty of his family. And I remember watching an interview once when again Ben had relapsed and again there was trauma and again there was police involved and it was front page news. And I watched an interview where the interviewer said to his father, Brian, questioned him about whether he would continue to support him and can continue to stand by him. His father didn't hesitate and he just said, he's my son. I'm his father. I will always love him. That's a mysterious kind of love. But I want to tell you, if a natural father can have that kind of love for a broken man, how much more can our heavenly father have that kind of love for you and I? We are his children. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he loves you. It's an unbreakable love. It's an all-knowing love. It's a love that never, ever, ever gives up. He knows there'll be times when we stumble. He knows there'll be times when we fall. But he just keeps on loving us anyway. I love the story of the prodigal son. He comes back and the Bible says that the father gets up and he went to his son. But listen, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and he kissed him. You know, we read that quickly and we think it was just an emotional kind of thing. And you know, that's true. For his father to, to run shows the passion, shows the compassion of his father. And I want to say, thank God we have a, a God of emotion. Thank God that our God is not just a theological truth. Thank God that he is a heavenly father who is in love with you, who is moved with compassion. No matter what's going on, he's leaning into our life. He loves, he cares all the time. So yes, the father was overwhelmed with emotion, was overwhelmed with gladness to see his son. But there was also another motivation. He ran because he didn't want to see his son condemned. If you know the Old Testament setting, it was, it was, if a son had brought that much shame, if a son had gone and lived that kind of lifestyle, then to the religious Jew, that was reason to have that son stoned. And the Old Testament would teach that that son, if he came back, should not be even allowed into the village, but should be taken outside the village and should be stoned to death. And so many theologians would argue the one, another reason the father ran was because he wanted to get to him before anybody else got to him. He wanted to show his acceptance, show his love, show his grace towards his son before any kind of judgment or condemnation could come upon him. He ran because he wanted to rescue his son from any condemnation. And he was prepared to take on shame himself on behalf of his son. Again, if you know the cultural setting, it, it, was, it was just not the done thing for, for a father and for the leader of a home or for a wealthy landowner to expose his legs. Today, it's not an issue whatsoever. But back then, to expose your legs, if you were in a prominence, was a shameful, shameful thing. But the Bible says that this man ran. Now, if you know anything about running, you can't run if you've got long robes on. So this man would have had to hitch up his robes, expose his legs, but he was willing to do it. His servants would have gone, what? People around about would have gone, oh, 
look at that, look at that. But if the father boy running to his son by hitching up his lines would be able to say, no, 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 I'm prepared to take on shame myself to save him from having to pay the price and take the shame and carry the guilt himself. It was so much more than a simple emotional running to his son. And it's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of God's love for each and every one of us. Romans 5 verse 6 says, At just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I've been around church for long enough to have heard just about every story that you could hear. I've heard successful people say, well, how could God love me? I've never given him a thought. How could God love me? I've mocked those religious ones. I've, I've laughed at their gospel. How could God love me? I've lived for myself. I've done whatever I wanted to do. I've succeeded by trampling on others. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you. God loves each and every one of us. I've heard broken people say, well, how could God love me? I've been an alcoholic. I've been addicted to this, addicted to that. I've messed up relationships. I've turned my back on so many people. I've been an absolute train wreck. How could God love me? And the reality is the gospel screams it. The Bible declares it over and over and over again. How great is the love of God towards a broken mankind? It's immeasurable. While we were yet sinners... While we were that boy who'd blown the lot, who stank of pigs, who looked like a train wreck, who smelt like a train wreck. We, while we were still caught in sin, he, like the father, runs to us, takes on our shame, takes on our guilt, sends his son to the cross, bearing our guilt, bearing our shame, so that we could come back into family, come back into relationships. You see, it is, it's an unstoppable love. <laughs> our brokenness, our brokenness does not repel the love of God. Our brokenness attracts the love of God. Our brokenness says to God, I need, I, I want you to come home. I have the answer for you. But not only does he have the answer to come back into the house, to come back into family, Behold, what manner of love? It's an empowering love, an empowering love. <laughs> you know, my dad, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't a very emotionally connected dad. He was that kind of dad, a workaholic, and came from a very conservative background and had a conservative personality. And so he didn't do, you know, a great job of sort of making me feel loved. But you know what he did do? He set me and he set all of our kids up to win in life. He was a great provider. 
He made sure that we had everything that we ever needed. Gave us a great education. He clothed us. He fed us. He, he gave us music lessons. He did all of that, all of that stuff because he knew in his concept what he needed to do more than anything was to provide for us and to set us up to win. And can I tell you, God, as a heavenly father, has exactly the same heart. He sets us up to win. He didn't just invite through this story. He didn't just invite a young man to come back and say, hey, all's forgiven. It's okay. No, no. He empowers him and restores him to where he always should have been. He didn't ask him to jump through hoops. He didn't ask him, hey, look, go and get, go and have a bath. Go and find some clothes. Go and fix yourself up. Go and prove yourself for a year and then come back. No, no, no. He took him just as he was. Can you say amen? He took just as he was. Thank God, just as we are, we come. And then he gave him the best robe. The best robe was only ever given to those who had the best standing in family. He was restored immediately back into this family. He gave him the ring which restored authority. The ring was like the signature. The ring was like that that. That thing that said, yeah, yeah, all that I have is now bestowed upon him. And then he put sandals on his feet because to be without sandals, we meant you were a servant or that you were the lowest of the low. He said, no, 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 that's not who you are. You're coming back into your full rights. You're coming back into everything I always intended you to have. I love 2 Peter 1 verse 3. He says, his divine power has given us, has given you, has given me everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. You know, some people would sit and think, I could never go back. I could never say yes to God. I, 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 could, never, I could never become a Christian because I could never live that kind of life. But the truth is, you can the truth is we all can. When I came to Christ, my life was such a mess. But God said, hey, hey, just come back and I'll give you everything that you need. He's given us the word. He's given us his spirit and he's given us one another. As Pastor Craig was encouraging just before I came to bring the word this morning. Thank God that we're part of a, a healthy local church. Thank God that we're part of a spiritual family so that no matter what our natural story might be, we've got fathers, we've got uncles, we've got brothers, we've got people all around about us who can empower us, who can comfort us, who can lift us up, who can strengthen us to step into everything that God has. I want to invite the team to come. This morning we have an opportunity just to be able to stop, to be able to behold, to be able to see, to be able to consider the goodness of God. And we've done that very, very deliberately this morning because it's, it's so important, as I said before, when, when we understand how much God loves us, it changes everything. It lifts off guilt. It lifts off shame. It lifts off all of the things that can hinder us. And today is an opportunity to just reflect for a few moments. So the team are going to sing a, a beautiful song. And as they do, I want you just to close your eyes, listen to these words. Just say, God, here I am. And if you're here this morning, you say, God, I, I really need your love. I'm not going to run. I'm, I'm going to actually come. Maybe it'll be the first time this morning. Maybe it won't be the first time. Maybe it's a, a renewing this morning where you'd say, boy, I've carried guilt. I've carried shame. I've carried so many regrets. But 
I'm still loved. You're still loved. And these are just some moments where we love you just to say, hey God, would you touch me again with your love through this song? So why don't you close your eyes and just listen as they minister. You know, when the, the son came home, he was desperate to come back home. But he thought he could only ever be accepted as a servant. Thought he'd gone too far, done too much. But his father said, no, 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 no. Before he even finished his speech, he said, no, no, no. Go and get that robe, go and get that ring, go and get that, go and put sandals on his feet. You see, the father was saying, no, no. I don't see you as a servant. I don't see you as someone who's failed. I see you still as my son. And because of his love, he made a way for him. It's the perfect picture of the gospel. As we close this morning, I'm just wondering whether in this room or whether you're watching at home online, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. But I want you to know in this house, in this place, in this church, in life, we carry the same heart that says, hey, God's, God's arms are always open. Doesn't matter where you've come. You may be a raging success, but if there's something missing, if that relationship with God is not there, then that invitation is there for you today as much as it was in the story for the prodigal son. Come home, come home, come home. You may never have given God a second thought. You may have laughed at the gospel, but God loves you. And He's just waiting. He's leaning in in this moment. Or maybe you have made a mess of things. Maybe you look at your life and say, boy, I've got a lot of things I'm ashamed of. I've got a lot of things that are just... Evidence of my brokenness. Maybe people can't see it, but you know it in your own heart, in your own life. Or I want to say the same thing. God loves you. Your worth is not in what you have or haven't done. Your worth is in the fact that God loves you. You're a child of God. And He wants to, to know His love. To know His love. There's one way and one way only you can know His love. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me, said Jesus. And thank God that's not an exclusive thing. That's an inclusive thing. Some people would say, oh, the gospel is exclusive. Oh, you can only come by Jesus. Yes, but the truth is, yes, you can only come by Jesus, but everyone can come. We all can come, no matter where we've come from, what we've done, who we are, we can all come. And that invitation is there for each and every one of us here this morning. I want to ask you, would you stand to your feet right now? I want to ask that question. If you're here this morning, you would say, yeah, boy, that's me. I, I can identify. I can identify. I want to know the love of the Father, not just hear about it, not just see it in others, but I want to know the love of the Father in my life. And today, like that boy, I want to come back and say, God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I know that I need you. I know that I want you. I know I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, while heads are bowed, while you're at home, if it's you, there'll be something coming up on the screen that you can click and just say, yeah, that's me. If you're in this building, would you just right now, just slip up your hand. We're going to pray in just a moment. But if it's you and say, yeah, God bless you. See your hand. God bless you. That's wonderful. God bless you. Others this morning would say yes to Jesus. You're not saying yes. God bless you. See your hand over there. That's awesome. That takes courage. 
Well, I want to tell you, you will not be disappointed. God is faithful this morning. God loves you. He's leaning into you this morning. Your mind might be doing all kinds of things, but if in your heart, the Bible says that He just came to His senses in a moment of time. So for those in the room who are lifting your hand, others may have not lifted your hand, but you're saying, yeah, that's me this morning. Out in the online, pressing that button. We're all going to pray together, but this is your prayer to pray from the depth of your heart this morning. And the Bible says, as you pray this from your heart, God hears, God answers, and all of heaven celebrates. And we're going to pray together to encourage you as you pray together in Jesus' name. Let's all pray. Let's say, thank you, Father, that you love me so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die on that cross just for me. Today, Lord, I make my decision. I open up my heart and I'm asking Jesus Christ to come into my life, to forgive me of all of my sin, to cleanse me of all the wrong, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit so that from this moment on, I can live a brand new life, restored as a child of God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. amen. Come on, let's put our hands together, celebrating with those who are saying yes this morning, saying yes this morning, saying yes this morning online. Just a moment, Pastor Craig's going to come and I know he'll share a few more thoughts with those saying yes, but I'd like to pray for us as a congregation before I step down this morning. Because I just know that so often when we consider, you know, Father's Day, we may have see all the negatives and see all the shortfallings. But today I pray through the Word, you would start to see that no matter what's going on, the love of God is for you this morning. And it's unlimited. It's unlimited and it's for you afresh this morning. So would you just lift up your hands all across this place. Father, I thank you that God, you are a God of great grace. God, you are a great God. Your love is, it's incomprehensible to us, Father. It's so much greater than what we can possibly understand with our natural mind. God, it's unrelenting no matter where we've come from. No matter what we've done, God, you always love us. You'll never stop loving us. Just as the waves of the sea will keep on coming day after day after day, your love will never stop coming. God, you love us. And I pray this morning, God, as hearts are lifted up. God, when we walk out of this place, we'll walk out refreshed and empowered, knowing that we are loved by a heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said. Amen. God bless you. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.